yeah, I, I can't stress enough. Giving up that control, it's very hard to do, but once you can do it, and once you just have faith that the right things are gonna show up in your life when you do that, and you and you know it, you're not just saying it to yourself, you're not trying to convince yourself, you actually believe it, then then magic starts to happen. Aloha, our beautiful listeners and viewers on the other side of the world. Aloha. And everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Krista Ralakshmidetten. And I'm Michael Ditton. And we are Infinite Activation. Coming to you from? We're coming to you from Southern California. And it is uh, sunny in San Diego, but a little bit stormy at the same time. So yeah. go figure. And today we are here, first time in history, together hosting this podcast uh, with Michael yep. and having a really amazing guest on the other side. And Abundance in Action podcast has been now uh, in the works for almost uh, over half a year. Mm -hmm. And it has been quite an amazing adventure. We have been networking. We have been sharing a lot of our amazing friends. And today is kind of the similar day where we have a really amazing real estate investor and expert, Mike Wolf, on the other side. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you. Yeah. And we met Michael um, during uh, Brendan Bouchard's events. And we started to go to Brendan Bouchard's events like uh, some years ago. And every time we run into you and then I noticed uh, right away, oh, my God, you have like so many amazing shirts. Every time you had some really uh, artistic or colorful, or like shirts. different shirts. So we started to talk about your shirts and then what came out? Well, here we are today. Um, you know, Mike shared his story about traveling around the world and picking up different shirts in different locations all the time. Um, we found out that we had a little bit more in, in, uh, in common um, then we then we found out Michael was in real estate, Yay. and um, of course that is one of my biggest passions and desires to continue to expand and grow. And a relationship was formed, and Mike has not only become a friend, but he's also a coach and mentor to me. So um, we're I, I'm even I can't even express how honored I am to have you on board. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm grateful that uh, we got to meet, and and uh, you know whenever I'm at those. Brendan events, I'm always uh, volunteering. So that's one of the great uh, benefits of being there is that, you know, he attracts amazing people like yourself. So I feel very uh, blessed to have run into you during our uh, mutual time together at, at Brendan events. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we love Brendan, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> followers. So you have quite the story. Like I um, listened to quite many different podcasts with you, with you and um, it's, it's really amazing uh, to listen where you come from. And um, you are kind of like jokingly said that you are the wealthiest homeless Canadian out there <laughs> uh, traveling the world and having fun. And you have actually uh, done real estate um, over 30 years. But what's really amazing is that you do it so differently. Like what I really love about you is you have such a big heart and you have that ethical part, which is there, like you really are out there to help people. And you are also even now last year, you kind of um, looked and reinvented yourself as well and did some new choices and changes in your business the way you do so that you could help more people. So you completely reinvented yourself as well. 
and the way and the depth of the knowledge you have about real estate and everything you know connected to that is like oh my god it's like an ocean me who i'm like coming from the uh, you know healing and coaching background i listened to some of those podcasts and then i was like oh my god i have to like note down all of those like uh, foreign words for me because i don't know much about real estate yeah. but it was such as an anthropologist it was also like very exciting to kind of like go deeper so today i'll probably ask some of those questions because we may also have some people who have no clue um so you can um educate uh, them as well and um what i really love about your uh, the beginning of your story was uh, which i think so many of us we kind of get stuck into is you know um we are in, you know growing up in families and then our families of course want the best and your parents as well they were expecting you to become a lawyer and mm-hmm. then you started to go on that route and then what happened what happened with that uh, projection yeah well you know i was i was kind of living my parents dream for me and I, you know i i remember you know middle of grade 12 i had no idea what i wanted to be and my parents were always talking about lawyer doctor lawyer doctor lawyer and uh, I'm terrified of blood so doctor was never going to happen in a zillion years. Uh but lawyer sounded kind of cool cuz I mean I watched those TV shows and lawyers always had the fancy offices. It looked really kind of glamorous. Uh I've since met a lot of lawyers who don't feel that way. But anyway, um you know, I got my first degree and with that degree came a whole bunch of student loans. And I decided, well, before I go back to get my second degree, I'm going to pay some of these off. And got a job at the phone company. uh my, my, a buddy of mine his mother was a manager there and the phone company was uh it, back in those days it was it was government run it was unionized paid real you know paid quite well and uh while i was there i managed to buy my first home to live in my first residence and shortly after i did that my mortgage broker called me up and said mike if you want you know you're making good money your credit's good if you want i could probably get you a second you know a second mortgage to so buy a second property and i remember thinking well why do i want a second property and what he said after that changed my life because uh, he said well you know you buy a second property you put tenants in there they pay your mortgage for you anything over and above that you get to keep but more importantly you know 25 years from now that thing's going to be paid off and all the money that comes every month that's your retirement and it'll probably be worth a lot more money so i thought that kind of makes sense and uh bought, so I, i did end up buying a second property didn't really know anything about real estate investing never on my radar prior to that uh but i think sometimes the universe puts things on your path that lead you maybe in a different direction than the one you're heading and so uh unfortunately for my parents i kind of strayed from their plan for me and went on my new plan for me actually i didn't really i didn't really actually abandon their plan immediately so i, I held on to that property still at the phone company and a couple of years later the market took off and all of a sudden i'm sitting on this equity and i remember thinking to myself you know over the last couple of years i made x amount at the phone company and i made the y amount which is a lot bigger doing real estate and i don't even know what i'm doing in real estate so if i could do that by mistake what would happen if i if i made this my career and then at that point i mean i was in my mid 20s and i was sitting on a, a relatively large amount of money all of a sudden in equity in my two homes and thinking i i knew it all and uh but i remember quitting my job at the phone company not thinking okay well now i can't get more mortgages then that didn't even dawn on me i just immediately quit my job at the phone company and told my parents no like law school that's your dream for me i don't i'm not going to law school and my mother kept begging me you know mike go get go get your second degree 
So you have something to fall back on. Then after that, do all the real estate you want. And then you have at least something to fall back on. And no, I said, no, mom, I, I have this figured out. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then I proceeded to lose almost all of what I made on those deals because I didn't really have the due diligence down. I didn't have a direction. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a strategy. I just had this uh, ego that said, well, hey, you made this much on your first deal. So you don't need help. You, you can just go do it. Let's duplicate it. Except that the first deal took me two years for the market to do its thing. Had nothing to do with me being smart or strategic or anything. Just had to do with I had really lucky timing. And, uh, you know, once I quit the job, it's like, well, oh, well, how do I make that next paycheck? I can't wait two years for my next paycheck. I got to do these, you know, maybe every 90 days or at least a few times a year. If I can do this a couple of times a year, I'm good. And, uh, but I didn't know how. And so I, I basically went and was in a hurry to get my next deal. Uh, pretty much, like I said, lost a lot of my profit. And that was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me. I was a blessing in disguise as so often uh, our setbacks are. And it, it forced me one to get rid of, to lose the ego and become a lot more humble. And at that point, I actually found a mentor to show me the way on how to do this stuff properly. And had I not done that, uh, I, I might be on your show talking about law right now. I definitely would not be talking about real estate investing or mindset or any of the, the stuff that got me here. And I, I actually owe it to my mom because once I told her that, mom, I know what I'm doing, I couldn't go back to her and tell her she was right. Because, you know, in my mid-20s, like, I knew everything. I didn't want to tell my parents they were right. And so I had to figure it out. I had no choice. So I had to get back up, get a mentor, figure it out. And, uh, you know, here we are 31 years later, and it hasn't at all, like, just a straight, beautiful line of, you know, success with everything I did. But once I got the mentor, it definitely led to a lot more successes than uh, failures. And uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful that, uh, you know, I, I had uh, that big setback that actually made me coachable and humble and it, it changed me as a human being. And now I always am very sympathetic towards underdogs. Like when I, have, I see people and they're struggling financially, I want to help them because I know that it was just, it's such a thin line between where I am now and where I could have ended up had I not got myself back up. So anyway, long answer to a short question, but I get very passionate, so I can't help myself. Well, we love that passion. Yeah. And it's really amazing point what you're actually uh, telling here. Um, you know, you got out of this uh, kind of critical situation because you found yourself a mentor. And this last year, one of the things I noticed with also many of my clients, they once they got into like real crisis, they thought like, okay, you know, working on my mindset or doing self-development, this goes out of the window because I have to just like survive not knowing that if they would maybe uh, get, you know, mentor or coach that would actually help them to get where they want to get like faster and easier. But it's just that we get into that, like, you know, uh, trying to keep your head above the water and then uh, the smart thinking kind of, you know, dissolves. Yeah. It's kind of ironic because right now is when people need a mentor more than ever, it's where they need to work on their mindset more than ever. Like that's, that's really the secret to success is one, having somebody who's paved the path before you and two, having the right, being the right frame of mind. Because right now, for those of you who are watching it in, during these crazy COVID times that we now live in, uh, for those of you watching, I mean, a lot of people right now, they're, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed, they're freaking out. They don't really know what they're, they don't really know what the path is. And I personally believe that we're heading into a, although there's obviously a lot of uh, challenges right now, we're also heading into a lot of uh, opportunity. 
And for those people who keep their head clear and they're positive and they can see that, hey, there's opportunity that's going to come from this chaos, those people are going to thrive. And then there's other people that unfortunately, you know, they got their head buried in the sand and they're just waiting for life to happen to them. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, COVID is going to unfortunately treat those people very badly. And I'm not just talking about health wise, obviously that's going to have an effect on, you know, depression and stress and all that, but financially, and obviously when people are in a bad Financial position, usually everything else is also falling apart, like relationships and health. It's all tied together, as you guys know, more than anybody. So, Yeah, yeah. and I really like what you brought up in several of the podcasts. You said, you know, you understood that going from know-it-all to learn-it-all. Yes. And it's such a good reminder because, um, you know, um, right now, that's like the key element. Um even myself, like me and Michael, we are always in some kind of like coaching program to improve as, you know, humans, but also as coaches so that we could be the best and help the people the best way. And I think that's like um, such a good point what you're sharing here. Well, the best, yeah. uh, I think the best, oh, sorry, I, I was just going to say the best mentors and the best teachers are also the best learners. We're, we're lifelong learners and we go and, you know, learn from other people and, uh, then we pass that on to our students. And, and so the best mentors in the world are always learning. They never stop learning. Yeah. Yeah. Because the world continues to change around us. And as long as we continue to grow and accept that change and learn new things, we're able as coaches and mentors like yourself, able to shed that light on somebody else who is prepared to receive that information. So um, it's a wonderful world. It's a ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, now you have also noticed like this last year has been quite a lot of chaos and so on. Uh, you have reinvented yourself and um, we actually just like launched a program called mm -hmm. Reinvent Yourself. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that right now is super important for people to become successful or even more successful if they are already successful to reinvent themselves? Yeah, well, I mean, these days, the world we left behind that that's not coming back. The world we left, we're, we're going to have a new version of normal coming down the pipeline here. We don't know what that looks like yet, but how, how life looked in 2019, we're never going to see that again. And so if you're still clinging on to what served you back then and what was working for you, it's probably not going to serve you in 2021. I mean, I, I hope it does. And for some people, maybe, but I think a lot of people, that job that you used to have, that's gone. The business that you used to own, uh, that got that may have got wiped out. And so you have to, you know, you have to keep up with the times you have to keep uh, now. Now, it doesn't mean when I say the new normal is not going to be how it was in 2019. In some ways, I believe it's going to be a lot better. I think the planet uh, needed a reset. There's going to be some great uh, things going forward. But the things that maybe uh, made you how you made your living in the past, that may or may not still be there. How you used to live, how you used to, uh, you know, maybe you used to, you're used to going to an office that might not exist anymore. I mean, a whole lot of things are, are shifting. And if you're not shifting with it, that's going to be very problematic. Now, as you mentioned, I reinvented myself last year. I didn't even really mean to reinvent myself because the businesses that I was running before are firing on all cylinders. They're actually doing as weird as it may sound, 2020 was actually my best year for the existing businesses I already had. But I also realized that, you know, when, for those who don't, who don't know me, I'm normally very nomadic. I normally travel pretty much every day of the year. And uh, in, when the um, uh, COVID hit, I went back to Canada, which is where I'm from. 
because I thought probably the best place for me to be is near my family. Got my daughter there, my grandkids, uh, my brother lives there. So I thought it'd be good to be close to family. And for the first couple of weeks that I went back home, normally I'm used to having to wake up early and running through airports and catching flights. And all of a sudden I got like nothing on my calendar. This is awesome. And so I like slept in every day and like everybody else watched Netflix. So I ran out of things to watch on Netflix, but then uh, the phone started to ring and it was, you know, podcasters like yourself and radio shows and summits and everybody wanted to know, well, what's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with real estate? And I was realizing that so many people are fearful of, you know, what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen with, with their money. And so I realized, well, I actually went back to, you know, I remember 2007, 2008, when we had that last really big recession. And during that time, I set up a company called Foreclosure Fixers because there were so many people losing their homes to foreclosure. And so I remember as I, as I was hearing about how the global economy was being shut down, I was thinking, I'm going to set up, I'm going to have to set up Foreclosure Fixers again. And which is fine. So foreclosure fixers was a business where I'd either try to help keep people in their home that were going to lose it to the bank. Uh, so, so basically I, ha I had, you know how you get that? You've probably seen those postcards. We buy homes, we pay cash for homes. Well, a lot, a lot of people in foreclosure get a thousand of those every, every single, they're, they're getting tons of them every single day. So I actually took time to learn the foreclosure laws inside and out. And I sent out a pamphlet that said, I can help stop the foreclosure. And I found that I got two different types of people that would call me on that. So the first type are, uh, you know, people that, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And right now with COVID, I can't think of a time in history where more good people are being affected by something, not by their own fault. And, you know, people that have never missed a mortgage payment or a credit card payment in their life. Well, what do you do when you lose your job? I mean, and everything's shut down. What, what, what are you going to do? You've got no choice. You get behind. So sometimes bad things happen to good people. And for those People quite often, you know, they get back on their feet, they lose their job, but they get another job and then they can start making monthly payments again. They just can't pay those arrears. Maybe they got five or 10 or 20,000 behind and they just don't have that money and they're going to lose their home to the bank. So for people like that, quite often I would loan the money, help pay off the arrears and they would pay me in installments instead of a lump sum and I'd help them stay in their home. Now, as a second type of person, and these are people that like to kind of keep up with the Joneses, and they typically have a way bigger home than what they need and fancier cars and all the toys. And these are people you can't let loan money to. If you loan money to them, they're going to burn through that. You're never going to see it again, and they're still going to lose a home. So for people like that, I would give them what I call a soft landing. And what I mean by that is I'd, is, you know, I'd be in a position where I know I could steal their home if I wanted to because they're so desperate and they're not even thinking clearly, but I would never do that. I'd give them, uh, I always make sure they had money for a damage deposit, several months rent, money for food. And then I actually help them to get back on their feet. Sometimes I put them in another one of my properties that was more affordable and do a rent to own for them. I'd always come up with Every time I'd sit across the table from somebody, I'd always come up with a solution that was in there as favorable for them as I could possibly make it, but at the same time, not lose money myself. And so quite often, instead of getting that home run, I, I maybe, you know, get, a, get a, a more moderate paycheck. But these people, if they lost their job, they worked with 10 other people that just lost their job and they would send all their friends to me. And so what I found is that, you know, I get, I get, I made a lot more money by taking less on each deal than I ever did get in that home run. And so the reason I tell you this, though, is when I heard they were shutting down the global economy, I was thinking, oh, here we go again. I'm going to probably have to set up foreclosure fixtures, which I didn't mind because I got to help a lot of people. And, and you never know who, you know, I had one lady who uh, I gave her one of the, what I call that soft landing. I put her, you know, put her in another property and she called me a couple months later and said, listen, Mike, I never told you this at the time. 
the day that I got your, your marketing materials, I was actually thinking of killing myself. And so I don't take lightly the things that I do. It's not just about helping people stay in their home or get into another home. As, as I mentioned earlier, when, when the money part's not working, neither are the relationships, neither is the health. People are, you know, they're, they're just not in a good frame of mind. And anyway, I, I always like to think that the universe always seems to put me on this path, the proper path I'm supposed to be on, almost like magic. And so all of a sudden I started getting these calls from people saying, hey, can you be on my summit? And I got to go talk about how, you know, you can go and help some of these people that are going to be in trouble, or maybe you're one of those people in trouble. Maybe I can help you. And so um, as luck would have it, I ended up uh, in 2020 uh, creating a year long coaching program where now I'm getting a whole bunch of other people like yourself, Michael, uh, on the front lines and I'm training them well, hey, once once this opportunity starts up, once we um, see all these people in trouble, right now there's a foreclosure moratorium, so the banks aren't foreclosing. That's not going to last forever. So whenever that starts up again, we're going to see a whole lot of people in trouble. And so now instead of just me on the front lines, maybe helping you know, 30, 40, 50 families this year, if I can train 100 other people to go save 30, 40, 50 families, we can start a movement. So my goal for, the, for this year, I, I did reinvent myself. I see it more as almost a mission where, uh, you know, I really want to train a whole bunch of people to be ethical real estate investors, to be on the front lines, helping other people, but also getting paid for it. So creating win-wins. So 2020 by mistake, uh, not because I woke up really motivated one day, it's just, it seemed everything just kind of, the universe kept pointing me in the right direction. And, you know, this year I got on the TEDx stage where I got to talk a little bit about this, just all these opportunities I wasn't even looking for just kept I don't know, they just kept building up and it became so easy that I really, uh, it just happened by magic really. And here I am and I created another very uh, successful business. I don't mean successful by how much money I make. I mean, successful in that I can train a whole bunch of other people that are maybe trying to reinvent themselves right now. And I'm also showing them how to be ethical and how to help a whole bunch of other people and really starting a movement. And so that's that's kind of a, a long way of telling you what happened in, in 2020. But you know, all, so many people, when they talk about 2020, about how horrible it was and all these, and I, and I don't, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I want to be sensitive about it. I know obviously people are, are getting sick from this and uh, it's been very, very tough on a lot of people, but I think there's also a lot of silver linings and that it created, uh, you know, created more bandwidth and time for people that weren't running around as much. And the people that use that time wisely, I think, in the future, they might look back on this time and think that this was a blessing in disguise for them because they they were forced to reinvent themselves and they got into doing something that they didn't really love. It was just comfortable, but they didn't really love it. And so once again, long answer. But- yeah, no, no, we love it. And this is great material. In fact, um, you know, we can relate to the reinvent in the time of need for others because that's how, I mean, we literally in March, April, May, whenever it was, we dropped everything and created the reinvent yourself program to help others because we knew they need it. But I've got to go through a couple of things here in, in everything you, you just said, one thing that's not in my, uh, that I'm going to say, that's not in my notes that you said, um, I've, I've often heard you say, leave people in a better place than you found them in. I love that. I practice that. I believe it. Um, some of the other things, ethical investor. I love it. I believe it. I, and it's one of the reasons that I love you. Um, mentorship. Um, we love that karma magic and flow. Crystal picked up on something that she may, she may talk a little bit more about that. You know, 
real estate investor or the person that you are, um, are you born that way or do you become that way? You know, you weren't born that real estate investor. You became that investor. And fortunately for us and for the rest of the world, your, your heart set, you have a great mindset. Um, you create these relationships. So this is all, you know, just all the things that have led to your path of success, which is, you know, what we try to promote through our um, Abundance in Action podcast is people that have created their path of success based on their true life purpose, their life mission and heartfelt and heart. And then look at look at the, you know, what comes of it. And this is the message that we're trying to teach to people who are in the position right now that have a hard time believing that it's even possible that in the time where they need to change, where they've got, you know, mortgage to not mortgage to hill, but loans to the hill for school or what have you. But this is the ideal time to reinvent yourself. And most of the businesses that are succeeding right now have learned to adapt and reinvent themselves. We're seeing it all the time here. We've got uh, we've got a bar, a restaurant bar across the street that you know, created a whole new atmosphere outside for people to come to when it, outdoor dining was available. And when it wasn't, they created a drive-through. They literally put barricades up so people could drive through and still order and come. You know, so not only are they still able to serve the public and get a little bit of money, but they do have staff that they're able to, you know, pay a little bit. And then these other companies that said, oh, there's no way we can do this from home, yet they've learned to adapt and have you know, their employees do their jobs from home. So reinventing, whether intentional or unintentional, this past year has been a big part of the challenge overcoming process and growth that we're all experiencing. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And, yeah. And I yeah. really loved what you mentioned, Michael, so that, you know, use the time wisely. And um, just your example as well, you know, um, you you just, already you you're really well connected with your talents and skills already and knowledge and now you were just like in this um, beautiful space where you were ready to receive the guidance and then you just followed it and the guidance was taking you to the next step and I think the difference from that like old um, ways of doing business and now where we are heading is more and more getting into that like divine feminine, what they say, you know, to listen to the guidance, go with the flow. And instead of like going against the current, which some people still do, like they really like cling into that old way. It's just, uh, it first of all, it takes a little more calories. <laughs> you may get bigger muscles, but it's so uncomfortable. Why? You could just like go with the flow and, you know, uh, let everything come to you and, and create it in an easy way. And that's such a beautiful example of abundance in action, like all these resources in you, which you are now like sharing with the world. And talking about it, I want to like go a little deeper about the topic of magic and karma, because you have mentioned it here and there, like kind of like on the surface. But I know that you are also a very like into mindset and growth and all of these things. Like what's your take on magic and karma and what experiences you have? Yeah, well, I, I believe a lot in both those things. But for, for me, like karma is huge. And, and I also, uh, you mentioned go with a flow and that's how I live my life. And being able to go with a flow is, is not that easy for a lot of people because we like to think we're in control and we tend to be control freaks, especially entrepreneurs. We tend to want to have a lot of control. 
And I think sometimes the universe has a better plan for us. And what we, like, we, we can see what's in front of us and we have our experiences. So we know from the past what's happened. And so sometimes we're afraid to try new things because it's not, it's uncomfortable. Getting out of that comfort zone is not comfortable. But after a while, once you get good at giving up control, which I have to, I used to be a workaholic. This is one of the things I talked about on uh, at my TED talk a few weeks ago is that, you know, I used to ha- have to have hundred percent control. I had to know everything that was going on and it made me very difficult to put people on my team, to, to build teams and scale my business. And so at one point it was all me and I was a workaholic. Now, ironically, once I learned uh, to give up that control and I started to, to hire people and I started to uh, allow them some freedom to make some decisions as opposed to me micromanaging them. And as I got better and better people on my team, my business started to flourish and I started to make more money putting less of my time into it. And so while I'd be traveling, if I was volunteering, if I was hanging out with my daughter or my grandkids, I'd be making more money than when I actually did the work by myself. And so I think a lot of it comes down to just having faith that we can only see what's in front of us. Like I said, I, I see the universe as kind of being this GPS where it knows it knows what's around the corner. It knows things that we don't know yet. And it, it'll take us on a bit of a ride that sometimes feels uncomfortable because it's not in our comfort zone. We're doing things that we don't didn't normally like to do. We like to cling on to the past and have control. But if we actually have faith that the universe is working for us and we just go with that flow and see where we end up, I can only speak from my experience, but it's led me to things, you know, I'm, I'm doing things that I never in a million years thought I could do. That was not in my wheelhouse. It was not in my comfort zone. It was not, uh, it was not stuff that I even thought I could, you know, like for, for example, the, the Ted talk I just did not that many years ago, actually, let's go back to university. When I was in university, I, I was, uh, I, I was in this class where I had to give a presentation. We had to do research and then present it to the class. And this presentation, if I remember correct, was like worth 20 or 25%. A pretty significant amount of the year's mark was based on this one presentation. And I actually skipped it because I was absolutely terrified. I was very, very shy. I was very terrified to get in front of that class. I skipped it. Since then, now I make my living. I get paid to speak quite often. And I've been on a TEDx stage and I've been on television. I've done a lot of things that were at one time way out of my comfort zone. And so sometimes the things that we tell ourselves we just can't do, once we figure out how to do them, once we, we just, you know, get out of our comfort zone a little bit, then it leads to that next thing. And so I always look back whenever I have something that's difficult for me, uh, you know, once I finally conquered getting on stage, I, I conquered that fear. Well, then my next, I remember when I, when I wanted to go shoot some videos, I was terrified to be on camera. But then I thought back, well, remember that time you were scared to get on stage? Well, when you go on stage, you don't get a, a repeat. If you screw up, you can't take it back. On video, you can, as many tries as it takes. So I talked myself into doing it. So I use that as an anchor. So I just believe, though, that when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where the best stuff happens. Number two, a lot of the stuff that you don't see yourself doing, like I never saw myself as a real estate investor. That never happened until I got that first big paycheck. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I want to do this again and again and again. That would have never even been on my radar if for some reason, I'll call it magic or the universe. Uh, for some reason, I didn't end up on that path. I, I would have been a lawyer right now. And I think, and, and no offense against lawyers, but I would have been a horrible one because I'm like the most non-confrontational person ever. I'm just really chill and I want everybody to just get along. I don't want to be a lawyer. Uh, so that was just my parents' dream for me. So I think a lot of it has to do with faith. And when you have faith that, that the universe is working for you uh, and with you, as opposed to, you know, oh, well, it, it, it'll be really easy 
for, for some people, five years from now, their story is going to be, oh, well, I was doing really well. I had the successful business and then COVID hit and now my life sucks. And this bad thing happened and that bad thing happened. Or somebody five years from now could say, hey, you know what? COVID did this to me. And instead of waiting to see what else life was going to dish out to me, I just kind of uh, got a little bit of my comfort zone. I started to change things. I got away from, you know, I ditched the past and I created the new, I created the Mike Wolf 2.0. And now I'm so grateful because it's so much better than the 1.0. I didn't know that this was even possible. So I think that a, um, I believe a lot in uh, that there's, you know, something much bigger than us guiding us and putting us on the right path. And often when we get, when we feel all these hurdles and all this overwhelm, I think it's because we're fighting the things that we're supposed to be doing. Quite often, we're not doing what we were put on the earth to do, I think. And I also believe in karma. You know, when I started to give back a lot more. Uh, you know, it used to be all about making more money, make more money, make more money. When I started to give back a lot more, I just found that things would just come at me like one after another, after another. And, you know, we talked about going with the flow. I find that when you, you give back a lot, you just end up in the flow and just like things just happen without you even trying. Like, like I said, 2020, I never, I never said, Oh, I'm going to go create a year long group coaching program, which has been a, a huge success. I never, I, I just shared the stage with 24 other speakers at, at the TED Talk. All the other ones, they put in a lot of effort to get there on that stage. They submitted all kinds of applications and jumped through a lot of hoops. It just fell into my lap. I wasn't even trying to get on that stage. For a lot of people, that was their, their bucket list. To me, it's like, well, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm very grateful to be here, but that was never on my bucket list. And so things just happen. You just get in the flow and things start to happen for you, but you have to have faith. You have to be open-minded. You have to have the right mindset. And I believe also to me, I believe you have to want to give back and help others and it'll come back to you a hundred times over. And that's just my observations. And I know it's, uh, I know a lot of real estate investors, uh, this is very woo-woo for them. It's not your typical, here's how you make lots of money, but that that's the honest truth. If I had to sum up my success, it wasn't because I had this way better strategy than somebody else. It's just how I view the world and how I view the other person on the other side of the table from me and trying to create win-wins. And that, that I think led to where I'm at. And so, um, yeah, I, I can't stress enough giving up that control. It's very hard to do, but once you can do it and once you just have faith that the right things are going to show up in your life when you do that and you, and you know what, you're not just saying it to yourself. You're not trying to convince yourself. You actually believe it. Then, then magic starts to happen. Yeah, I so uh, agree. Like both of our lives, we have had many experiences like that. And it's so good that you remind us all, you know, that flow and faith, when you marry those two, you will get trust, like mm -hmm. you're trusting yourself, and you're trusting the universe, and you start to also trust people. And uh, to activate the whole system is basically coming through giving. And once you start to give, and as you have mentioned here before, also like, you know, really uh, thinking of how can I take care of people? How can I help? Then it's just like, it's an automatic system. You can't almost stop it because it just starts to come back at you like a boomerang, you know, okay. um, such a beautiful way of putting it and sharing it. And I'm so glad that there are real, real estate investors like you, such a holistic and uh, heartfelt person. So, and uh, almost, you know, this is the same line as, as Michael is also like that there are some more people like that, because I think many people, they also think like, oh, real estate uh, people, they're just like, you know, tanks and like running over people and, right. and so on. So it's a good different kind of example. 
But now you mentioned something which um, I think you and everyone has heard also. One of the biggest fears is, you know, public speaking. So do you have maybe a couple of tips for our listeners and viewers? Uh, what could they do to overcome that fear? Like, what did you do to um, really like, you know, I mean, TED talk, like, oh, my God, like, how how did you manage to survive that? <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, I wasn't even nervous at my TED talk. But if we go back in time, I used to be like terrified. And um, so, so I remember, you know, I'm a Canadian who started investing in the US probably, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago. And so when the recession kicked in, uh, all of a sudden, nobody in the US wanted to go to seminars on real estate investing. Everybody was terrified and they hated real estate. And so a very uh, well-known company came up to Canada and decided to do seminars there because we we fared the, uh, the recession a lot better than Americans did. We didn't get hit nearly as bad by it. Our house prices didn't tank like it did in the U.S. And suddenly a lot of Canadians were very interested in investing in the U.S. And I, I got a call, once again, the universe at work, I got a call out of the blue by a very uh, well-known and prestigious real estate training company. And uh, they said, hey, hey Mike, uh, can, can you come speak for us across Canada? You know, we're looking for a Canadian who's invested in the U S and every single person we talked to your name, you're, you're the guy they mentioned. So could you come speak for us? And I had never spoken on a stage before. And so I said, well, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. I'm not a speaker. I'm terrified to, I'd be terrified. I go, don't worry, just speak from your heart. Just talk about what, just talk about what, you know, I go, okay, well, anyway, because it was a very prestigious company and the, you know, the, the, the person at the top of that was one of my heroes is very, very difficult for me to say no. So I, I pretty much feel like once again, you know, a lot of the things that have happened in my life, that they were just kind of put to me on a silver platter where I'd be really dumb to say no, even though I wanted to say no. I didn't need the money. I didn't want to be in the spotlight. Like I said, I was very shy. Last thing I wanted was to be on a stage. But anyway, next thing you know, I'm touring across Canada with this company and, you know, speaking from the stage for them. And the first time I did it, I remember I was like, in my mind anyway, I was sweating profusely and stuttering and I thought I totally bombed. And I was kind of relieved when it was over because I was like, they're not going to invite me back because I, I just blew it. And that's good. I never have to get on a stage again as long as I live. And then afterwards, I had all these people coming up to me going, oh, that was so inspiring. And we learned so much. And, and anyway, I ended up touring around Canada with them for a little bit over a year, uh, you know, going all across the country, teaching real estate. So for me, I was kind of put in a position where it was almost impossible to say no, just like this year long coaching program. It just fell on my lap, just like the TEDx talk. It fell on my lap. I wasn't looking to do any of these things. So to, now this may not happen to all of you. You may not get this big, you know, land this big speaking opportunity, but I'd say start, start small. I probably do it the opposite way of, of how I did. I went on stages first and then I got in front of the camera. And back in those days, there was no, there wasn't YouTube or, you know, I, Anyway, so I had no opportunity to make videos anyway. But if I was starting fresh now, I would probably maybe do what you guys are doing. Do a podcast first, get used to, you know, interviewing people and speaking, uh, maybe go to Toastmasters, go take, you know, some sort of speaker training. Uh, but, I, but I'd also say, um, I don't know if I should say this, I kind of did, when I went to TED Talk, to the TED Talk, um, it, like I said, it fell on my lap and they, they asked me if I would do it. I said, sure, no problem. 18 minutes. I can speak for 18 minutes. I usually speak for four days. That's easy. And then the next day I got an email saying, well, here's the timeline, Mike, by this day, this is due. And by this day, this is due. And I go, what? 
So anyway, they wanted me to send transcripts of what I'm going to say word for word and then do revisions. And then a, a, uh, anyway, to make a long story short, that's not how I normally speak. I just show up and I speak from the heart. And a lot of times I, I think it's almost like channeled through me. I don't even know what I said after half the time. So for me to go memorize it, that's like totally against everything that I do because it's definitely not go with the flow. And so um, I remember I sent them the first transcript. I actually uh, recorded myself. And then had it transcribed and I sent that to them. They said, oh, that's pretty good, but we want you to change this, 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 and this. And I go, oh, man, how many revisions are we going to do? Uh, anyway, to make a, a long story short, I remember I had one of my three-day online trainings coming up. And I said, listen, I can't deal with my TED Talk for the next couple of weeks. So I didn't. And then by the time I was free, they were busy because it was getting pretty close to TED Talk time. So I ended up doing it my way anyway. I ended up speaking just from the heart and doing it my way. And so... Um, I don't know if the person who invited me is going to hear this. I'll be in trouble. But anyway, that but that's the truth of how I did it. So the other thing that I would tell people is do it whatever's comfortable for you. If you need to memorize it, if you need slides, whatever it is for you that is your crutch, if you need a PowerPoint, do that or at least start with that. And then I remember the first probably 15 or 20 times I spoke, each time I, I was nervous, but I was a little bit less nervous. And then it got to a point where I felt pretty comfortable out there. And it's like, instead of, you know, try, worrying, hey, what do they think about me? Or well, I hope I don't forget to say this. I just started speaking from the heart and just doing it my way. And I got really comfortable and I could joke around with the audience. It didn't seem rehearsed. It didn't feel like I, just, I, I could just be me on the stage. And so do whatever it takes to be you, be your authentic self. Don't, uh, don't worry about being perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. And also know that the audience isn't there thinking, I hope you fail. I hope this person sucks. They all, they're all with you. They're all rooting for you and they want to learn from you. And also remember whether you're on a stage or whether you're shooting a video, whether you're on a podcast, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for that person who needs to hear your message that day. Just like that one lady who got my marketing materials that was looking at taking her life. You don't know how you're impacting people. So this isn't for you. So get over yourself and just do it. And remember that you're, you're there to help other people. And that's why you're doing it. Yeah, so basically, uh, mindset, uh, get that, that negative no out of your brain and say yes. Secondly, just do it. Um, and no, in Brendan's word, you're going to suck at it at first, and that's okay. It's going to be clunky. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then basically, you're going to build confidence each time you do it to get to the point where you get out there and just become more natural with it. Yeah, you it's can't like get worse by practicing. Yeah, it's yeah. like training a muscle. Yeah, training a muscle. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I would just say that, uh, you know, I wish I would have gotten over that fear earlier when I was in university, because then maybe that would have served me. And, uh, you know, I could have been earlier speaking on stages than I did. And, uh, but anyway, everything happens in its own its own time. But but I'd say the biggest thing that I would tell myself now, if I, if I had to start over, is that, hey, you're not doing that. This isn't for you. It's that person that needs to hear your message today. And when you do that, then you're, it's not you you're, you're letting down. It's the rest of the world that needs to hear what you've got to say. Yeah. I have had sometimes feedback um, from like just um, some small videos I put on YouTube on regular basis. And someone just saw it and said, like, oh, my God, Crystal, thank you so much. This really touched me. Like, it felt like you were talking to me. Like, uh, how did you know about my, you know, issue? Mm -hmm. And, of course, I didn't know. I just talked about what was in my heart and what was, like, relevant at that time. So it's so true that you never know how you will touch or where, where your message will uh, reach. We've actually, um, on at least two occasions, I can remember, 
um, just doing what we love to do in order to help and serve people, not even thinking about, you know, anything else. I, I can remember at least on two occasions where on that particular day, we made an impact on somebody's life and it, it basically saved their lives. So uh, we can, we can certainly relate to that because, you know, we didn't wake up that morning with the intention to share information to, to keep somebody from committing suicide or, yeah. or whatever the case might be, but because we had changed our mind to do what we love. And, and even though it may be uncomfortable at sometimes to continue to do it and share it, we did make that difference in somebody's life. That's huge. It's huge. There's a lot of times where I look at what well, I don't look at, but I think about the, some of my early videos that I shot that are still on YouTube. And I think, Oh man, I got to take those down. I got to take those down. But I get emails all the time from people say, Oh, I'm so glad that I saw your video today. And it's like, so, and then I remind myself, Hey, those are not for me. And I never watch my videos by the way, but yeah. uh, those are not for me. Those, those that's for somebody else. And so I never, I, I just leave it up there. So it's going to be there forever. And uh, I, I feel like I've matured a lot as a speaker over the years and got more comfortable with it, but whatever the, the videos I put out there, they're, they're, they're meant to serve other people and they're doing just that. And uh, so, but I'm, I'm glad I conquered that fear. Cause it, it was, uh, it was crippling. Like, like I said, I took zero. I, I and the, the pro the professor even asked, Hey, do you, you know, do you want to make up for it? No, I'll just take a zero. Like that's how scared I was. And so, but sometimes I look at, you know, like I said, you get, you get in this flow and you end up kind of on this path where you, you know, you, you'd be so foolish not to take that opportunity that you can't say no to it. And so that's what's happened for me. And I know, I know some other people, same thing. They didn't really want to do it. And now they look back and it's like, you know, getting out of your comfort zone is the best thing you'll ever do. That's where all the best stuff happens. Yeah, I've, I've got one other question that maybe the, the viewers and listeners um, might be able to uh, grab some tidbits from. So we talked about, you know, speaking and, and you know, getting the confidence to do that. And you talked a, a few minutes ago, it made a huge impact on your growth to delegate or have a team. What would you say to our listeners and viewers um, that are like, they're so close, they're on that cusp, they just can't quite get over um, either, and I don't mean personally releasing the responsibility, although that is a challenge I think any of us face, but uh, maybe they can't hire the team that they need to hire because financially maybe they're not quite there yet, but they're, they're right in that line. What would, you, what would you suggest to help delegate or get a team to get you up over that hill so things start rolling the way that we know that they can? Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple things. You know, the first one is that a lot of people, they, they say exactly that. It's like, well, I can't afford to hire this person. And then I turn around and I say, listen, you can't afford to not hire that person because you're going to be stuck exactly where you are. You're not going to be able to scale unless you get that, you know, that person. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, when I started real estate, I get a lot of people come to me and they say, Mike, I would, I'd love to get into real estate investing, but I've got no money. And I say, man, you got no money. You are so lucky. Because when I first started, I was aspiring to get to no money. I was like negative 25,000 in student loan debt. So you're lucky you're starting with zero. But the, the thing that I would say is that when you don't have a lot of resources, you've got to become resourceful. So for example, when I did one of my, you know, my first flips, I, I uh, after I'd taken that big loss, well, I had enough money now to get the property, but it needed some, some fixing up. And I didn't have the, the money to pay a contractor to go fix it, nor was I handy, uh, which is actually a blessing in disguise because otherwise I would have tried to fix my own homes. Don't ever do that. Uh, but so, 
you know, I had to be resourceful. So I, I basically found a contractor and, and, you know, I, I forget what the numbers are. I'll just make up a number, but let's say it was 20,000 to, to fix up that, that property that I was going to flip. Well, I said, Hey, you know what, if you're willing to get, to wait an extra three months or four months until after I flip this property, instead of 20,000, I'll pay you 25,000. Would you be willing to do that? And he said, yes. So now, even though I couldn't afford to hire him and give him his money up front, I, I made different arrangements. I, I created different terms with them. So uh, there's, there's, you know, people that will take more in the future. If uh, uh, you know, there's people that will, will, will gladly take more money if, and wait, you know, wait a little bit longer to make a larger amount. There's also people that if they believe in your cause, like when you see me at Brandon Burchard events, I am not getting paid to be there. I'm there as a volunteer because I love his message. His message. I love his mission. I love the people he attracts. If you know, people say, "Oh, you've been there for years and years and years." You know, he should be paying you by now. And I go, if he started to, pay, if he were to pay me, I would, I would leave. I would never show up again, because when I do something, uh, for if I'm doing something to volunteer, that's to not, that's not to increase my bank account. That's to increase my fulfillment account. I want to. That makes me happy and fulfilled when I'm volunteering and giving back and doing something with nothing in return. If I were to get paid for it, well, that's like, well, if, if I'm getting paid this amount to do this, well, then I might as well go you know, work in my business? Why am I working in his business? So you have to realize that sometimes people do things for different reasons. So if you're doing something, let's say it's heart-centered, you have some sort of mission, uh, other people resonate with what you're doing. There's there's people out there that they want to latch on to your movement and what you're creating. They want to be a part of that. And they're not looking to make money. That's not their, that's not their need is to make the money. Their, their need is for, they're looking for something else from that. And so these are things you want to consider. Um, also, you know, a lot of a lot of the most successful people. So, so I, I think you guys know. I, I used to own some other businesses besides real estate. I had a pub and a tomato sauce company, etc. Those were businesses that weren't necessarily my passion, but I had partners who were experts in it. And so I put up the money, and they put in the time, and they they did the work to do that. So um, there, there's people that do th- that do things for for very different reasons. They have very different motivations. It's not always, uh, you know, it's not always that, Hey, I need that. I need the money now. They, they may want to be a part of something that you want to build. And uh, so, so I would keep that in mind. I'd also say that, uh, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of people, especially once, once you start to become a little bit successful, there's, I, I get people every day that say, Mike, I can't afford to be in your coaching program, but what can I do for you? I, you know, I'm happy to be your boots on the ground in this city. I'll go look for real estate deals. I'll do this. I'll do that. So just realize that not everybody's motivation is, hey, I want to get a paycheck every two weeks. So those are some of the things you want to keep in, in mind. Uh, also, um, there's people. Oh, so I know, I know I was talking about those businesses that I used to be involved in. Um, I wasn't really looking to get involved in any of those businesses, but I had a reputation for, for being an investor. So people would put these things on my lap, but these businesses were all failing when I got involved in them. Now, if the owner of that pub had come to me instead of selling it to me and said, listen, Mike, I'm really struggling. And I know you're pretty good with business. Can, can I hire you to mentor me on how to get this business successful? I could have helped him get the result that I ended up getting after I bought it from him. So, uh, but if he, if he would have offered to pay me, if he would have said, Hey, Mike, I'm willing to pay you X amount of dollars. I probably would have said no, because I wasn't looking for more work. But if he would have said, hey, Mike, why don't we do a joint venture? And if you can turn my business around, then I'll pay you some of the profits. Now I'd be interested. So 
using that example, if you're looking for marketing, you say, I can't afford a marketing team. Well, if you found a really good marketer, they probably would rather get paid a percentage of the results they're getting you than to get paid, you know, X amount salary or, or upfront fee. And so just realize not everybody's looking to get a paycheck every two weeks. There's a lot of different ways to get teams. There's other people that might just want to, uh, you know, latch on with what you're doing. There's a million different ways, but you're probably never going to be able to hire a team if you have that mindset that, oh, I can't afford that. And so one of the things I'd, I'd recommend is stop doing minimum wage jobs. If you're cleaning your own home, for example, hire somebody to do that. Take that extra time to apply to something that's going to make add up and, and show up bigger in your business. So those are different things you want to consider. And I find so many people, it's all, it's all in their minds. Like I can't afford, well, what if you gave up that Starbucks every day? What would that add up to? Who could you hire if you gave up some of those, you know, frivolous things for just a little while till you get that person in your business that's going to help you grow. And then when you start to make more money, then go to Starbucks three times a day, but get, get that stuff happening. Uh, good points. Yeah. So in all of these years, uh, which is like 30 or, uh, or more years, I think um, one of the key elements which like really stood out when I was listening many of these podcasts was relationships. I think you have learned quite a bit about humans and uh, people and relationships. What would you say in general, if you even can do something like that, you know, maybe the free tips like, you know, how to have good relationships, because I understand in your kind of business, relationships are everything without good relationships. You can't be a good real estate investor, right? Actually, before you answer that question, I want to take it one step further. So there's relationships on a couple of different levels here. So not only are you building those relationships that are, you know, the people within your sphere and, and you know, the, um, you know, the, that, that close personal relationship, but also the, the relationships that you're building that are creating that network. Yeah, well, the, uh, to me, that's all, that's huge. That's actually one of the biggest components of success in, in business, whether it be real estate or any other business, it's all about relationships. So if we go back, we talk about my foreclosure fixers business. I always went in and like I said earlier, it's what is the best outcome I can give this other person who's on the other side of the table from me? What's the best outcome I can give them and still create a win for myself? So I don't want to become a martyr. I don't want, I'm not, I'm not there to be a charity. I want to help as many people as I can, but I can't sustain my business if I'm giving everything away. I mean, sure, I could pay somebody more than their house is worth and eventually I'll be bankrupt and then I'll be the person in need of help. So to me, everything is, it's one, it's about a win-win. Two, it's all about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And, you know, at the end of the day, and this comes down to what, what you said earlier about karma, when you start to do good things for people, well, they start to talk about it. If you do bad things for people, they also start to talk about it. So whatever you're doing, eventually is going to get around people. You're either going to have a good reputation or you're going to have a bad reputation. And if you're going out of your way to create win-wins for people, make sure that other person is in a much better spot. You give them that soft landing, much better spot than when you found them, much better spot than if the, you know, the bank foreclosed on them and you leave them in a better place and then you don't just abandon them. Then you actually stick with them. Well, guess what? On the way back up, they're going to work with you again because they may have lost their home, but one day they're going to get, but human beings are resilient and we sometimes have to hit rock bottom before we bounce back. But once we do watch out. And so some of these people, on their way back up, they wanted to work with me again because I took good care of them on the way down and I didn't, you know, I was there for them if they needed it. So to me, it's all about, you know, helping other people, uh, looking at win-wins everywhere you can. And, you know, to me, 
you know, one of the things that's really important is, is I, I, uh, I like to think I changed my currency. When I was younger, it was all about more money, more money. How do I get more money? How do I fill up my bank account? And I, I really wasn't focusing that much on my relationships. I, I was within, you know, within my business, maybe the people I worked with, I was always taking care of, making sure they were in a good spot, but I, I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't there for my daughter as much as I could have been. Uh, so, and, and also for my health, we, we sometimes try to fill up our bank account so much that we forget about those other things that we need to keep full, like our health and our, you know, relationships, all that stuff. And so over the years I went from change, I changed my currency from money to happiness and fulfillment. Those are my two main things. So when I wake up in the morning, I think about, Hey, well, what, what makes me happy? Where, where would I be happy today? If I wake up somewhere, I'm a really big fan of the sun. I love my vitamin D and being a Canadian winter time does not give me a lot of vitamin D. So, you know, I've been spending most of my winter in, uh, in Mexico because I know that's, that's where I'm going to be happy. Uh, also, if I'm hanging out with my grandkids, that makes me happy. If I'm volunteering, that makes me happy. And then there's the other thing I like to keep, uh, you know, full, and that's fulfillment. And, and always, you know, to me, fulfillment comes from helping other people. When I know that I took somebody who and maybe showed them, uh, you know, taught them something about their finances, or if I helped somebody who was really down on their luck, or if I went, you know, I've done a lot of volunteer work in a whole bunch of different capacities. That stuff creates fulfillment for me. And like I said, with that example about Brendan Burchard earlier, if he started to pay me, well, that wouldn't add any fulfillment. Now it's just, I'm, I'm getting paid to do a job. It's a transaction. Well, I'd much rather make my money some other way. So now I would, I would stop doing the thing that fulfills me because it's not fulfilling anymore. And so to me, to me, it's really a matter of having that balance in your life. And I'm not, I'm in no way saying, Hey, forget about the money. Uh, just worry about happiness and fulfillment. If you forget about the money, you're going to be in big trouble, which is why I teach, you know, one of the things I teach is passive income. How do you get that money coming in while you're volunteering, while you're hanging out with your family, while you're, you know, working on your health, while you're, you know, doing the things that light you up, like travel, whatever it is for you, you know, you should be doing that, but you can't, you can't take your eye off the money. That's got to keep coming in. Don't abandon money, but there's ways to put it on autopilot. So it keeps coming in while you're doing the things that you enjoy. And then you can focus on happiness, fulfillment, giving back, the stuff that really matters and makes a difference on this planet. You know, when you're on your deathbed, it doesn't, I guarantee you, it won't really matter how much is in your bank account. It's going to be totally irrelevant. I, I, I like to think that we'll be thinking about the differences that we made on this planet while we were here and uh, the adventures that we had and other people that we helped make happy. And to me, that's what's really important. And so uh, I, had, I, I have changed a lot over the years and just kind of evolved and, and uh, matured. And uh, I think I'm at a much different level of consciousness than I was, you know, when I was younger, but we all, we're all on our journey to get there. I didn't figure it, you know, I didn't just wake up one day, uh, but that's what I've learned over the, over the years. And so, but relationships are really the most important thing. It's how you treat other people and always, you know, making sure it's a win for them. If, if every, every time you do a deal with somebody, it's a win for them and a win for you. You're going to keep doing deals together forever. And that's a much better scenario than I do a, a deal with somebody. I get a home run and they're left in a really bad spot. And that's the end of that relationship. So I got my one big paycheck. Yay. Lucky me. Uh, but now that, that, that relationship is burnt and they're never going to refer anybody to me. So it's always, you know, the long-term is, is uh, you know, who, you know, who knows you and what, what do they think of you? Do they think that you're a giving, caring person? Do they think you care about them and that you want to make a difference? Or they think, oh, well, this guy is always riding my coattails. So relationships are very, very important. But the, the cool thing is when you have great relationships, your friends and the people that you have a relationship with, they can't, 
wait to introduce you to other people that they've got relationships with and, and vice versa. So I love uh, being a connector and I love being connected to people. Well, and part of that relationship networking is like the team that you have. I mean, that's a relationship. The, uh, all the brokers and, and private money and, and bankers and everybody else, that's a, uh, that's a relationship that's helped create your success. And you've created good relationships with them. And I, I understand you've even had relationships with people where you get to go to Oscar parties and rub elbows with, um, uh, you know, other people that have reached a level of success. And those are relationships. Basically, it's a full circle of relationships, not not just the personal relationships and, and that, but you have good relationships with your teams. I know what your teams are, are willing to do for you out there. That's because you've created that good relationship. You have relationships with investors that are calling you and say, hey, Mike, I got money still. You know, let's go out and spend it somehow. And you're helping them. And they do that because of the relationship you built with them. Not not just not just it's not just a financial transaction to them for them coming back to you. It's because you've created that good relationship with them. There's there's two really big things. One of them is trust. If if people know you like you trust you and they know that you're looking out for their best interests, then you don't have to go through all the process. You know, people don't have to do their due diligence on you if you have a great track record and they know that you're always going to, you know, if something goes wrong. And if you're in this industry long enough, things are going to go wrong. It does, you know, we're dealing with human beings. So even if, if you, you know, do all the due diligence in the world, things will sometimes go wrong on real estate deals. It's just the nature of the industry, but it's how you deal with it when something goes wrong. How do you, do you fix it? Do you put yourself in the shoes of the person who just had that thing go wrong on their property? And what are you going to do to fix it and make it as, as right as you possibly can? So there's a trust part. And then there's also, I like to think that having the right culture in your business, meaning that people don't feel like they're just going to do a job. It's not a nine to five job with them. They feel like they're uh, a part of something bigger and they know that you're going to take care of them. And, you know, my teams, they know how much money I'm, you know, that I, that I, I make on some deals, et cetera, or not, but they know they're going to get, you know, if we have a really good year, I'm going to take really good care of them. And they're never going to, I've never, I don't lay off people. Uh, if things get slow, I'll find, I'll find a way to keep, I'm not, I'm not going to let people struggle uh, just to cut my payroll. And I've never, luckily I didn't have to. And, and uh, even during COVID times, a lot, a lot of people in the real estate industry, it was pretty tough. A lot of people weren't getting rent and they had to lay off, you know, their teams. I didn't lay anybody off. We, we have, you know, we put better systems in place. So you want to have a culture where people know that you've got their back. And if you do that, they're going to have your back. And a lot of times, you know, I hear people say, oh, well, it's so hard to find good employees and nobody. Well, people don't think about, well, how are you treating them? What, 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 what are you giving them? Are you just giving, you're giving up, you know, they're just treating it like it's a nine to five and you're paying them X amount of dollars. That job is a commodity to them. And if somebody down the street offers them 25 cents an hour or more to do the same job, they're going to leave you. But if they know that you've got their interests in mind, you're going to take care of them. You're going to give them bonuses. You're going to make them feel like they're part of something much bigger than just that job. Uh, that makes all the difference in the world. And so, uh, so I just think it's so important to, to take care of the other people that make your life possible. And that's another reason why I love volunteering uh, at Brendan Burchard events, for example, is I'm, you know, when I go there, I do whatever, whatever is necessary. I don't say, well, I'll do this job and this job, but these jobs are way beneath me. I'm too good for that. I don't do that. It's like, whatever you need done, we're going to do it. If it's moving chairs, I'm going to do it. If it's, you know, customer service, whatever it is that needs to be done, I do it. Now within my own business, I'm very, very selective as to the things that I do. But when I, when I'm volunteering for somebody else and doing things that I wouldn't do in my own 
in my own business, it makes me uh, realize how important all those people are in the background, no matter what their job is, whatever it is they're doing in the background, even if it seems relatively minuscule, those little things are what make the big things happen. And so I never forget, uh, you know, what it's like for those people that are doing those tough jobs. And uh, it's always on, it's always on the front of my mind. And I make sure I take care of everybody within my organization to make sure that they're happy and cared for. And they know that, uh, that they're making a difference with the, with the things that they're doing, even if it doesn't seem that significant when you're looking at the end product and you're looking at what you do and you feel like, Oh, I'm just doing that. You know, I want everybody to feel like they're significant and, and that everything they do counts. Absolutely. So now, um, uh, so many good tips you have been sharing with us today. But one of the things I think people are still really, really struggling. And um, I know for sure you touched this um, in your coaching programs, like a little bit Michael has shared with me as well. But um, would you be so kind and share with us maybe a couple of tips about, you know, how to um, communicate, conquer, face fear? Because now we have uh, still people who have lost their jobs or are about to lose their homes or whatever the situation is or are in like really bad health and like really scared about the pandemic and so on. What are those like really simple tips and tools you would give them like how to face these difficult times and especially fear, which can some people paralyzed. like really, yeah, they're paralyzed. They're like, oh, I can't do anything. And they go into that victim mode and it's like game over. Like I, I'm like out, you know, what are your tips? Yeah, it's very, it's very easy to fall into that trap. I know a lot of us uh, do and have fallen into that trap. And so I, I say, you know, first of all, always be optimistic. And so one of the things that I, that I recommend doing is practicing gratitude every single day. One, one of the great things that's come from a lot of the volunteering that I've done is, you know, I, I fixed up homes in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, you don't even want to know some of the stuff I saw in some of those homes. We fixed them up. We brought a bunch of people back. And, but there were like dead pets in people's attics and people's wedding dresses, like uh, just, you know, covered in mud and just people's memories. Uh, I've also been to, to places where we brought, uh, you know, water filters where people didn't have clean drinking water. And when you see stuff like that, and then you come back home it's very hard to not have gratitude when you turn a tap and magically water comes out. So number one, realize that no matter what you're going through now, there's people on the other side of this planet, your bad day would be their dream day. They can't even imagine having a day as good as yours. So the fact that you're watching this right now, that you've got you know, a computer and Wi-Fi, that's unimaginable to some people on this planet. So, so number one, be grateful for what you do have, even, even though you might be going through some really tough times right now. The other thing is realize that everything in life is cyclical and things are, are really bad. They're going to get better. You know, the world is not going to, uh, this, you know, we've had other pandemics before they come, they go, and then life, it's going to be a different normal, but we're going to have some sort of sort of new normal. And like I said earlier, I think some parts of the normal are going to be better than the old normal. I really do. Um, I'd also say, you know, turn off the negativity. Like stop. Like I, I stopped watching news many, many, many years ago. I don't watch the news at all. Occasionally, I have to go do a little research to see what borders are open. But I'm selective as to what news am I letting into my brain. I'm not sitting there watching all day. And, and trust me, uh, if, if you're not watching the news, you're not going to wake up one day and go, "Why are all these people wearing masks? 
Your friends are going to tell you what's going on. You're going to get news whether you want it or not. But to sit in front of the TV for hours dwelling on this stuff, that's not going to make things better. That's going to make things worse. And also be really selective who you're hanging out with. If you're hanging out with other people that are negative all day long, they're just going to bring you down even further. Uh, the other thing I would say is don't try to control things that are uncontrollable to you. So for example, you know, during the election, I'm glad that's over. I'm, I'm glad I'm Canadian. But anyway, during that time, everybody, like that's all people are focused on is this election. And, and I mean, to me, I, anyway, I'm not going to get political whatsoever. However, I will say that other than your one vote, you don't have any say in the matter. You have, so you could dwell on it. You could let this whole thing overtake you, overwhelm you, take up all your, all your bandwidth, or you could take that time and say, Hey, well, listen, I'm going to cast my one vote. I did my thing. Now on to other things I can control in my life. And one of the things you can control right now, instead of watching the news, you could take time. And I know I'm preaching the choir because you're watching this right now, which is awesome. But take this time to educate yourself. on It doesn't have to be real estate. Whatever it is for you that is exciting to you, maybe you lost your job and you don't know what you, what you want to do next. Maybe you had a hobby that you never had enough time to, to uh, you know, maybe you like playing guitar like I do and you never had enough time to play that guitar before because you're always working. Maybe you pick that up and, and use that to relax yourself and then start thinking of things that you can do going forward to reinvent yourself. What is what does a new you look like? What A year from now, assuming this pandemic's gone, you can do whatever you want. What are you doing? What Where are you working? Are you still working at that place that you've always complained about? And now all of a sudden now it's closed, you miss it? What, what does life look like in the future for you? So use this time really wisely. You know, COVID created a whole bunch more bandwidth for a lot of people. Uh, you're probably not going to movies like you used to. You're probably not spending as much time doing a lot of the things that, uh, uh, you know, that you used to do. And now you've got this extra time that you can use to go and read more and take more courses and reinvent yourself as whatever it is that you want the rest of your life to look like. And whatever you're doing before, you could do so. You know, you could be doing something that you like a hundred times more. You just don't know it because you haven't got started yet, or you don't see yourself doing it because you haven't taken the first step to, to learning it. Just like me with, with public speaking, had I not been forced, more or less forced to go on a stage, I would have never pursued that. And so many great things have happened as a result of it, including me being on this podcast. There's no way that I would have done a podcast if it had existed in my university days. I would have said, no, no, thanks. That's just not me. But so go and reinvent yourself, figure out what that looks like and, and get your, just create, create a better version of you for, for 2021 and 2022. You know what? I think we're just going to quit trying to sell our own reinvent program and just have you sell it for us. <laughs> I can do that for you. There we go. <laughs> and I think that's really important work that you guys are doing, by the way. I think that's really important because there's so many people in a flux right now and it's a time of transition for so many people. And it's, it's like extremely timely and pe people really need that right now because it's very easy to try to cling on to the past. And sometimes these things happen and they force you to, get, they make it impossible to hang on to the past because that is gone. Whatever you did before may not even exist in the future. Uh, and I'm just looking at all these big companies that are, you know, shutting down. And, but, but what happens that money doesn't disappear. There's a transfer of wealth happening and that money is floating to somewhere. And if you take the time to learn how to do it, that could be, you could be on the receiving end of this, you know, whenever, you know, the, the, uh, the great depression was the biggest transfer of wealth in history until the great recession of 2007, 2008, 2009, then that became the biggest transfer of wealth in history. And now COVID, this is going to be the biggest transfer of wealth in history. And for people to take the time to 
figure out how to participate in that. Uh, you have a lot to be optimistic about. So don't be down, don't be buried with your head in the sand. Instead of waiting for life to happen to you, now's the time to, you know, take life by the horns and just go create uh, something awesome. Yeah, so when uh, the problem knocks on your door, you open the door and welcome it in as an opportunity. Big time, big time. So easy to hold on, to, to try to hold on to the past. And, you know, that's that's the easy way. It's definitely the, you know, the, the way that our comfort zone likes it. Uh, but I just, you know, for, for a lot of people, what existed in 2019 is gone and not coming back. So now's the time to figure out what does, uh, what does the future hold for you and how do you, how do you make the future way better than what you had even before? Yeah. So one uh, uh, question we always try to ask our guests here on the podcast is, imagine one day when your beautiful golden days as a human on this planet are done and um, people will like look you up like, okay, who was Mike Wolf? And maybe they even find this podcast, who knows, you know, and then, um, you know, they like figure out like, wow, Mike's legacy was this or that. Like, what, what do you think? What's your, I don't know if you have consciously thought about it, but what would you like your legacy to be? Like once you are gone, what would you like to leave behind and what would you like people would take from your gifts and knowledge, what you are sharing? Yeah, well, I think, I think one, it's really, that's a tough question because I think I've got at least another hundred to 200 years, but um, <laughs> yeah, really for me, it's, it's all about making a difference and just, you know, I, I, I was, I, I was the underdog, so I love the underdog. So I just want to help as many people as possible who don't really exactly what you said. They don't really see the future for themselves. They right now they're just in this, holding pattern and they're, they're overwhelmed and there's all this negativity and fear and doubt going through their mind. I just want to show them that like, I'm, I'm this shy Canadian kid who, you know, like, I don't, I, I really sometimes have to pinch myself. Say, how did, like, how did I get here? How this, how did I go from that to this? And so one have faith that, you know, the things that are happening to you are happening for you. And sometimes they're uncomfortable and they force you to have to make changes that you wouldn't do otherwise. But a lot of these things, you're going to go back down the road and think it was the best thing that ever happened to you, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. So I love to work with the underdog. I love to think that uh, I can inspire some people who don't feel that inspired for themselves just yet and help move them into action. And so I just want really want to make a difference. That, that to me is the most important thing. I want, I want to make a difference. Uh, I want to, you know, to, to me, it's just little things too. Like I, I can't wait till borders reopen. And I want to fill my grandkids. I have two grandsons. I want to fill their passports up and show them the planet and show them what a beautiful planet we live on. And that, you know, we're filled, unlike what you're going to see on the news, this planet's filled with amazing, beautiful uh, people, not, you know, all this stuff that, that uh, uh, all this negativity that's being fed to us. I don't, I don't believe that that exists. Well, I believe it exists to a very small extent, but I believe there's a lot more good than bad, but the media can't monetize good as well as they can bad. So they're never going to do that. They're never going to portray that. And so I just want to show people, uh, especially my grandkids, but er, er, I want to inspire everybody to get out there and, and live the best life and make a difference for other people. We can all pull each other up instead of pulling each other, bring each other down. Yeah. Such a beautiful message. So powerful. Um, yeah. We are so grateful that you took the time to share your amazing gifts and treasures and um, your many examples which you shared today is a really amazing example how you put your gifts into 
you know, uh, action and how that creates abundance in action in your life and how everyone else can do it as well. Well, thank you so much for uh, for having me, and it's been such a pleasure to be here. And uh, thanks for helping spread the spread the word and helping people in these really, you know, glad that you're helping people in these really tough transitionary times. And and uh, it's, it's so necessary. So I appreciate what you're doing too. Yeah. Well, we're just beginning. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, all the best to Mike and uh, his projects, and uh, to all of our listeners and viewers. Thank you for spending time with us. And as always, please like, share. Um, also, if you have a little extra moment, please also write the review. And you can find our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and also the videos go up to YouTube. So if you just put in Abundance in Action, there it is. So thank you and all the best and lots of aloha till next time. Mahalo. Mahalo.